Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. We all feel it, especially because our community is so small. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. In June, a body was found on the University of Washington's campus in Seattle. Police have identified the victim as a 56-year-old woman. They are still searching for her killer. She was a sweet person. She was very kind to uh, allow me to come in her home when I had nowhere to go. And so when I heard about this news, I felt really sad because she was just a sweet, sweet person. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. I'm joined now by King 5 News reporter Sebastian Robertson in Seattle, Washington. I want to talk to you about this case, Mavis Nelson. Her body was found back in mid to late June. What do we know about her a little bit before we get started? Yeah, this story um, is kind of a, a heavy one. Uh, Mavis Nelson uh, was a mother of three, um, working jobs throughout her career, odd jobs here and there. And by some accounts, you know, she had attended some college. Uh, she was 56 years old, and uh, her body was found uh, in June, June 20th in Seattle. It was um, pretty close to the University of Washington on this um, trail called the Burt Gilman Trail, which is like a bike path that goes for quite a ways here in western Washington. Um, she was found in June, uh, but wasn't identified until August, and uh, a medical examiner uh, determined that Nelson uh, was killed uh, by stabbing, stabbed multiple times. And do we know how family then found out or how she was identified or how this all come to, came together for investigators? Yeah, so, you know, this all starts with, with somebody, presumably a jogger or somebody on the trail reporting, you know, a dead body, which, uh, you know, as heavy as that is, you know, th th those kind of things happen. Um, it, you know, Seattle police responded, uh, University of Washington police got there, and um, they determined, you know, she had been stabbed, but there was no, you know, smoking gun, no no pun intended. There were, you know, nobody spotted nearby, nobody witnessed the crime happening. So this, um, you know, kind of got put on the back burner, uh, as it were, and that, that's, you know, my words, not, not Seattle police. Um, her body was taken to the medical examiner, uh, and they determined that that the death was a stabbing. Um, they also positively ID'd her uh, and, and determined that her name was Mavis Nelson. Um, and in IDing her, uh, it turned out that she was a missing person. So uh, our assignment desk uh, here in Seattle, Kendra Gilbert, 
um, did what she normally does, where she takes missing persons' names and then will do a search on social media to see if it pops. Because, you know, hopefully if you go missing, somebody's looking for you and they'll, and they'll post on Facebook and Twitter. And, and that did happen. But in this case, the story went a step further because um, it turns out that Mavis was missing. Um, but she was also a, a tribal member of the Yakima tribe and was listed as a missing indigenous woman. So Kendra found her name listed on a Facebook page for um, missing indigenous persons, uh, which, you know, as we'll talk about, is is a big issue here in Washington state and and also the rest of the country. Um, but found out that, yeah, you know, she had a family. She had uh, uh, people in the Yakima tribe that were looking for her. Um, I spoke to... Her sister, uh, Ernestine Morning Owl, um, and she was able to call me, step away from her job at a, a, a casino here in um, eastern Washington on the other side of the Cascades, and said she'd kind of la- lost touch with her sister over the years and and didn't even know she was missing until she got that tragic phone call um, you know, over the summer saying that her sister had been murdered. It's been tragic to a lot of us over here. Um, to my family over there that live in um, the Yakima Valley and to the other family that she was raised with in Goldendale because she was fun-loving. She always liked to laugh. She always was a hard-working lady. And so this, you know, unfortunately, the family was telling me goes into, um, you know, a, a, another statistic of, of missing Indigenous women. Uh, the good the good part for the family, you know, if there is a bright spot in this, is they did get that closure that their case is not one of these unsolved homicides involving indigenous victims. So they are able to move forward with some sort of um, burial, memorial, and I guess that is kind of the bright spot for them in, in, in what is otherwise a, a tragic story. And just to clarify, and I'm not sure if you'll have this answer, but she was reported missing. Do we know if she was reported missing sometime before her murder for any length of time? In other words, had she vanished perhaps on her own accord for a while and and then this horrible event happened? Or do we know any more details about that? Well, the the timeline is is a little, I don't want to say confusing, but but you know, that's the thing with with adults. If you want to kind of go off the grid a little bit. If you don't want to call family members back, there's nothing mandating you to keep in touch with your family, let them know your whereabouts, et cetera, et cetera. So by all accounts, she was, you know, in Seattle, living her life, working. She had grown children and and kind of just going about her day-to-day. Um, at some point, enough time passed that somebody said, hey, you know, we haven't seen Mavis in a while. We can't get a hold of her. Um, unclear if that happened before or after Um her murder, but by all indications, you know, she hadn't done her normal checks with family members. They got worried, reached out to Seattle police, and then filed that that formal uh, missing persons report. Sebastian, has anything come out of the investigation? Any suspects that we know of at this point? No suspects listed by Seattle police. Um, no arrest has been made. Uh, that doesn't mean um, that they're not working this, you know, by by any means. But as of the time that we re- reported the story, which was, you know, within the last week or so, no, uh, no leads announced, no suspects relay, uh, released, no arrests made. Sebastian, the Bureau of Indian Affairs reports that Native Americans are murdered, sexually assaulted, become the victims of violent crime at higher rates than the national average. This case certainly 
puts a spotlight on, on, on that really sobering statistic. Yeah, and especially in, in Washington State, where we have many tribal members, um, both what are they call what they call um, federally recognized tribes, um, and tribes that that aren't, you know, recognized by the by the federal government. That's kind of a different topic in itself. Um, here in Washington State, there was a, a task force put together by legislators, and um, they determined that you know two thousand two hundred and sixty eight unsolved homicides are in Washington State. Five percent of those uh, involve an indigenous victim, um, but indigenous people make up less than two percent of the state population. So they're they are disproportionately impacted um, by this. There are also um, statistics that um, Native Americans are um, murdered, sexually assaulted, become victims of violent crimes at higher rates than the national average. As you were saying, that's to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and this is an issue that really in the last couple of months, you know, different lawmakers have kind of proposed, I don't want to say solutions, but but some some systems to try to um, level this out a little bit. Uh, you know, our Attorney General, Bob Ferguson in Washington State, he's um, asking state leaders to fund a, a cold case unit focusing on unsolved murders of Indigenous people. And uh, a new kind of program started here uh, on, on July 1st, Washington State Patrol um, launched something that they call MIPA, which is the Missing Indigenous Persons Alert System. And this is similar to kind of like a, an Amber Alert when a child goes missing or a Silver Alert, you know, when, it, when a senior goes missing and it, and it kind of gets plastered all over billboards, those digital billboards that you see on highways. And um, a lot of times you'll get a push alert if you're in a meeting, everybody's phone kind of blows up at once. Um, that just went live uh, over the summer, and I actually heard my phone buzz a couple of days ago. And this works with, because um, you know, as as you know, uh, tribes are sovereign nations, and uh, they have their own governments, uh, they have their own police forces. So Washington State Patrol, our state patrol, is going to be working with these tribal liaisons, and there is some criteria. So if there is a missing Indigenous person, there has to be, you know, a, an active police report. Uh, that classifies them as a missing person. There also has to be enough information um, about their last whereabouts, a possible vehicle, description, et cetera, et cetera, which is you know, it's kind of a low bar for a missing person, which is a good thing because then it goes into this alert system and uh, that that is intended to bring uh, more eyes to the issue and um, yet to see if, it, if it'll yield some results. But I think a lot of people in that community will tell you that it's uh, definitely a, a step towards uh, a solution for a problem that that tribal men and women have been dealing with for, you know, generations. Well, Sebastian, we hope your reporting on this case and coverage of this case will continue to bring attention and awareness to what's going on, and and we hope to hear some some updates on this investigation into the murder of this 56 year old woman in Seattle. Sebastian, thanks for being here with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Will. Good chatting. You've been listening to The Daily Crime, a podcast from Vault Studios. Be sure to check out our other podcasts, including Bardstown, The Officer's Wife, and our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.